This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, you guys know the drill by now. Uh, for Tuesdays, we get you out two shows. Uh, we sit down, we do the PFF with John Costco. Uh, we'll sit down with Pete, do your Twitter Tuesday, and get you guys here as much as we can on the previous game before we start rolling on in to next week, you know, because then we follow it up with Crossover Wednesday. So from PFF, Mr. John Costco, uh, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories Cleveland Brown-wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, John, just initial thoughts. Um, obviously, a little, a little disappointing. Um, you know, first, you know, everybody wants to say, you know, just the first quarter, but it was almost, I'd say, the first quarter and a half. Then it got away from you. You know, the hunt run right there towards the end of the half where all of a sudden it put Freddie in the awkward position of, hey, let's try and go for it, which in the same respect, if Baker took a knee, whoever's complaining that they tried to make something happen would have been the same people complaining about whether or not Baker took a knee in that situation. Uh, so you can't have it both ways in that respect, guys. Um, obviously, it was unfortunate Baker got hurt. It doesn't look like it's really – it looks like it's a non-issue at this point. But some thoughts, John, just initial thoughts before we start getting into some grades and scores and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, like kind of like what Freddie said in, in I guess, post-game presser and today in his press conference or whatever, uh, for, I mean, basically a playoff atmosphere and they didn't rise up to the occasion. Um, obviously disappointing to – to fall flat when you, when that happens. Um, but also what's disappointing too, is that um, when I was listening to his post-game press series, he's talking about, he's talking about, Oh, we knew it was going to be a tight game. So we played a tight game. It's like, if, why would you go into a game with a game plan wanting to, for it to be tight? Like, like put up a game plan that you're going to try to like run up the score. Like, like there's just no reason why you should like at all be conservative. Um, you know, put out plays and, and and call a game that's gonna try to run up the score uh, and blow them out, so that way you they don't have a chance to make a comeback or even be in it. Like you, that's just what you need to be doing in the NFL. There's none of this, none of this stuff where you you assume it's gonna be a tight game, so you call it a tight game or something like that. So um, obviously, just disappointing. Baker didn't, you know, he started off pretty, you know, really efficiently. Um, obviously the, for the first quarter and then basically was ineffective pretty much the entire game when he was, when he was decisive with the throws, he was still good, but it was very few and far in between. Um, and that's unfortunate. And obviously, I mean, the offensive, offensive tackles were just an absolute train wreck. Um, uh, is just basically the, the whole I mean, I mean, you you go from Greg Robinson, who's a bad left tackle, to Justin McRae, who's a really bad left tackle, and it's just that much worse. And obviously, just cornerbacks were really bad. Like even even though that the the pressure didn't, you know, the pass rush never got there. Essentially, just never got there outside of a couple of plays. When you your cornerbacks are not making plays on the ball with the ball up in the air for grabs like that, that's a problem. And then you're going to lose games and that's what happened. So yeah, that's pretty much my kind of my thoughts on that. Biggest noticeable difference for me is, you know, what got it going in the Thursday night game? You hit a deep one to Baker uh, to Odell early. Uh, you had the one where, you know, the defensive back was blind, the ball hunt caught it. You had the deep one to Hodge. You didn't take any deep shots. I mean, when a team is known for the pass rush, uh, you hit a couple of big ones on them. Guess what? I, I, you know, we got to be more cognizant of it. And it seems, 
and this is one we've been getting to a lot, John, this year is, is where is the, the deep ball's not there, but that was part of what kept them back at least in that Thursday night game. Yeah. So the difference to me between the Thursday night game and, and this game is not, not even necessarily like hitting on the deep shots because the Browns in that, in that Thursday night game had two early drives that resulted in touchdowns and they had two early drives that were efficient. One resulted in a field goal run resulted in a touchdown. So therefore you right there is a difference of, of, you know, four points. And then your defense didn't show up uh, like it did in that Thursday night game. So essentially it was, it played out offensively the same way as it did. They had three scoring drives in that Thursday night game. They had three scoring drives in this game. And the only difference is that two of the drives resulted in field goals. One of them was, you know, this one, only one of them resulted in, in a, and a touchdown and you know compared to the, the other game so and, and and it was also happened in the same way like that game where the interception at the end in the fourth quarter resulted in a touchdown this one it resulted in them punting it from the 38 yard line after you know losing eight yards at, on a uh you know with great field position so uh i mean yeah baker baker i posted this question on twitter it's like which game was better I would say it was slightly better a Thursday night game, mainly because he had two big time throws, but still in this game, he, you know, in that game, he had a turnover with the throw that was a dropped interception. This one, he had an interception that was, you know, a miscommunication with Jarvis Landry. There was an, so that was an interception. So it's not really a turnover with the throw, but he did have a bad fumble in the pocket, you know, trying to scramble around with a bad thumb, a uh, really bad play by him. So um I, like offensively, there really wasn't that much of a difference in either game, except for the fact that they just were not able to convert when they got those drives into the red zone, uh, you know, to touchdowns. They, they they resulted in field goals instead of touchdowns. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's and this is also the thing, though, when you face these teams that you're going to face twice a year and you face them with a two-week turnaround and, you know, you do get a lot of roster turnover, which we saw in this game. Which leads us to Sheldrick Redwine. Actually, John, I'm surprised he scored as well as he did. Um, I believe he said somewhere in the 75 range. I just want to go to two passes. The Washington touchdown and then the Washington deep one later in the game. Isn't he supposed to kind of be there? There wasn't didn't well, seem so, like much going on underneath him that should have kept him from being able to play those. So the the Washington touchdown, um, regardless if he makes a play on that or not, that ball is going to the one yard line because TJ Carey was very committed, committed penalty on it. So, I mean, yeah. um, (laughs) So, so essentially you're looking at either a, it was also an underthrown ball. So like he was tracking it on that ball to be where he kind of was expecting it to be. If it had been properly thrown and, you know, slight error on his part, but he, he was still there to like try to disrupt it. At at least Uh, he made, he made a, He's not getting credit for not making a play on it, but he's not getting downgraded for not making a play on it because that's TJ Carey's primary coverage. He should have been there. He all, he did have a pass breakup on a on a slightly underthrown you know corner route to I think that was Deontay Johnson. Um, and then off the top of my head, I'm not rem- I'm not remembering the the other deep pass to James Washington. I know there was uh, one that was a free play down the left sideline that there's no, I don't think he could have he could have gotten to. Um, okay. there was another one that he, he misjudged on undercutting. I think, uh, I think that was like in the third quarter though. But, uh, I mean, and really like his, so his coverage grade was a 67.1, 
right? So like that's not like good, right? That's average below. But not average. terrible for your first NFL start either, right? So his his good grades came from run defense where he was making some plays in run defenses and he, he made a three run stops. Um, he had uh, a, did have a missed tackle and coverage on a third down and long play, which was like a gang tackle. So that's like a minor downgrade there. But um, I, I mean, really it was just a fine showing. It was like, like his overall grade of a 75.6 is buoyed by the run defensive grade. Um, and that's and and that pass breakup that he had, um, you know, on the underthrown ball. So, it's not like he was all over the place. Right. So, I, I mean, I thought it was a fine performance for a first time. I don't think Demarius Randall makes all that much difference. I know that that's, he, he's not, I mean, Demarius Randall has been playing badly this year. It's not like he's been playing well. So, I mean, maybe he could make a play on, on one of the two balls that you're, you're referring to maybe, uh, but that's, you know, it's, it's not like he's Earl Thomas and that you're missing like a monster piece out there. <laughs> And which is the, you know, the biggest thing. And actually one of the rumors I'm hearing today is that maybe Demarius Randall didn't like how cold it was on the practice field on Thanksgiving and there were no heaters. So, so from what I, what it looks like to me is that, that he, he's almost like, um, I don't know. I don't know what, where his head is at on wanting to be like playing. Like, I don't know what's his passion level. It doesn't seem like he's a guy that like wants to be out there. I mean, it essentially doesn't. So whatever the reason is, um, you know, I, I mean, it doesn't like whatever that happened this year, he's had multiple issues this year. Right. So like, he's not a guy that you want on the team long-term anyways. So. Nope. Yeah. If he just did anything, maybe he, uh, you know, if you were looking at the possibility of, you know, do you pay a guy like Joe Schobert or do you pay a guy like Demarius Randall? Um, <laughs> if anything, Schobert's camp's got to be smiling on that one here. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe Sherbert, yeah. like, clearly you, you got to pay him. Like, I, I think I talked about it last week where it's like, especially after what's happened to Miles Garrett, like, you need a face of that defense. Like, Joe Schobert, he's your quarterback of the defense. He's an uber intelligent. He gets everybody in the right places. Yeah, he's not the greatest run defender, but, like, you need somebody there, like a like a face of that team, and he's clearly that. And he plays, he plays good enough at the position. He's not an elite linebacker but he needs to be paid decently well um and you're not gonna he's not gonna demand a breaking the bank type type contract either so well we got more we can get to with that it was actually funny now you know tuesday's their off day um obviously most a lot of the guys on the team did charity work uh joe said hey look tuesday's a good day i'll hit you up we'll talk from the car as i'm leaving the charity event um yeah those are the guys you cut the happy gilmore big checks to those are the guys you keep around now yeah. we've referenced this. Now maybe Joe is a little bit out of position, and he's kind of taken one for the team here for a couple of years. Sioni Taki Taki, John, we're starting to see a little bit more, a little bit more, and and you see, and there was a he had a tackle yesterday, and you see he's he's got that physicality. He looks more and more like you know what we've been saying is maybe there's your Mike, and let Mac and let Joe run around and do all the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I really like coming out of college. Um, he was actually, I think it was my third or fourth linebacker uh, after the two Devons. Um, as, as In terms of prospects, I had him, you know, early, I think it was like an early third round grade, just like personally on him. So like, I, I, he was a guy, obviously he's super athletic. He's, an, he's a converted edge defender, um, a guy that you can do multiple different things with. 
Um, and he's definitely going to be able to like, not going to be afraid to take on blocks. He's going to, you know, he's going to run around with his head, like a chicken with his cut, a head cut off. So um, he's a guy that I think, you know, he's only played 19 snaps this game. His grade was a 75.7. He's continually grading well in every single game, except for the Miami game where he was at a 52.6, but his overall grade, albeit just 52 snaps this year, 74.0 run defense is 83.9. Uh, he hasn't missed a tackle yet, which is, was one of the issues he had coming out of college. So yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you, I think you, you, you continue to play him more and he might take over that Mike position that where you can put Joe Schobert in a better position, you know, maybe at the, at the will. So, um, you know, cause like, like, I know that like people rave about Mac Wilson, but like, he's not a good player. And then, like, he's got all the energy and stuff like that, but he, like, he misses, you know, he's missed seven tackles this year. Uh, he doesn't fit well and run, you know, his run responsibilities. I know he makes splash plays and stuff like that. He has a, but his run defense grade is a 47.5. His pass rush grade is a 64.6. So, like, yeah, he gets, like, some, some you know, occasional hurries here and there, and he makes it an occasional play. Uh, but, like, his coverage grade is a 42.4. I, I don't I don't know what it is that people see in him. I think they see a guy that's running around and, and you know, getting group tackles and stuff like that or, or whatnot. So can you explain to me what people see in, in Mac Wilson? Um, I believe part of it, John, is he went to Alabama. So he's got to be great, even if it was the fifth round. And look, but I mean, you, I love the effort. And I, you, you love the fact that the way the way he keeps carrying himself and all that stuff you love. This has right. the potential At, to Great be- attitude, yep. great passion. I mean, he has... I think the stuff that you want in a, in a player, all like the intangibles and stuff like that. Um, but I, I don't, I think it's people need to like maybe pump the brakes on how good this player is. Like, I don't know what, what it is that they see. Like he's, he's made for one in, in coverage. He's, he's been in coverage on 327 snaps. He's made one pass breakup. That's it. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't make the plays in coverage. Um, and then he's, he often misfits in his run responsibilities. So, you know, I, I mean, part of it is like, yeah, linebackers rely on having good defense alignment in front of them to be able to get to the right run gaps and stuff like that. So there is part of that. Cause the, the defensive interior is really bad for the Browns, especially the depth, um, you know, outside of, Sheldon Richardson, who's been playing really well, except for in this past game, who who he did not play well. But yeah, I mean, um, hopefully, hopefully he develops into something. But he's definitely not there. What the Browns fans like and, and media think he is. And well, and the other thing is, well, I mean, look, those two interceptions in the first preseason game will blow things off the wall, which they certainly did. didn't matter. <laughs> no, yes, it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter. But, it, but you look at it now. If you have the makings, and look, you know. Taki Taki's making nothing, Max making nothing, and maybe this big nickel experiment needs to get thrown out the window. Play your better players. And look, Max is doing everything right, and there's also something to be said when Nick Saban says, kid, I don't think you're ready yet. Um, he's only coached about a billion first-round picks. If he tells you you're not ready, that may be something you want to heed. Yeah, exactly. Anybody yeah. else on defense you want to hit on, John? Uh, I mean, not really outside of – I mean. Like I, like I said, Greedy and, and Denzel, they had two of the worst games of the year. Uh, you know, thir- D- Denzel was at a 32.8, oh, uh, you know, coverage grade. Greedy at a 39.7. And then even TJ Carey was at a 38.8. Uh, 
Justin Burris was at 43.5. Terrible across the board in coverage for against, the secondary. So Against a third-string quarterback and wide receiver three, four, and five for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, when you have ball, the ball in the air, uh, they just weren't playing with good technique. Look back for the ball. Make a play on the ball, not on the receiver. And it, it seems like that's a coaching issue right there. I, I, I don't am, know. I, I am with you. And, and, you know, Denzel, everything was the same last year, except when ball was on arrival – Denzel had the hot, you know, had the outside hand up. And now it's a lot of, I'm going to try and get it out of you while you've already got it. And, you know, these guys yep. make money too. They're supposed to hold on to these balls. Um, we'll get some more here with John. Oh, wait, John, we have to do our weekly checking in on Cleveland's favorite DJ, Miami's favorite DJ. I mean, John, was it a Jermaine Whitehead like performance last week where it's, you know, finding the needle in the haystack? Where are we on chat, Thomas? Yeah, remember remember what what I said last week? It was literally one play that boosted his grade up up high because it isn't coverage and he forced a fumble. And doing something like that when you're in so few coverage snaps will boost your grade pretty high. Yeah, that was basically it. Now he was back down to what his average was. It's actually his um one of his better games at a fifty seven point oh overall. So uh what you need from your top starting defensive end there is no doubt about that and to put it in music terms because chad thomas loves it so much one hit wonder we'll get to more here with (laughs) on your pff night on lockdown browns um you're always looking to get gifts for somebody for christmas um something nobody asks for but something people usually need how about a suitcase away.com go ahead check it out away.com slash locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n Use the promo code, all lowercase, no space, locked on. Look, sometimes people don't ask for what they need, but sometimes they'll be more thankful that you got them what they actually need, thanks to the folks over at away.com. Um, John, I, I, have I, an away, I have an away suitcase. The thing is awesome. Thank you. I got one for as a gift, and it was fantastic. Look so, at John helping the cause here. Yeah, there you uh, go. Offensive side of the ball, John. Um, First, you know, for the first half, you know, I, I thought it was great. And it was, uh, okay, we're going to chub, hunt, chub. Oh, first quarter, chub, hunt, chub, hunt. And it was really looking good. Um, all of a sudden, that disappeared. Uh, 17-10 in the third quarter. Uh, you know, it was, hey, let's throw 275 passes. Let's not talk about the fact that we have the 2017 rushing, uh, rushing yards leader on our team. Let's not talk about the fact that, Nick Chubb is running for 100 yards a game. Let's spill the pill all over the place in a stadium that's usually nasty weather-wise. It actually was better than we had anticipated it was going to be yesterday. But just the abandonment, John, of the run game and essentially letting into everybody, my God, yes, the pass blocking was awful. Uh, Oh, we'll keep tight ends to chip. John, these tight ends are a college basketball player and two college wide receivers. There's no blocking tight. I mean, explain this to me because you went to air it out. And for Pittsburgh, when they have, uh, you know, obviously Ironhead's kid, you've got TJ Watt, you've got Bud Dupree. And now it was getting to the point where even if you tried to help these tackles, guess what? Javon Hargraves was whipping Wyatt Teller and taking his lunch money while doing it. Yeah. So I think, um, I think, this game versus the the Thursday night game kind of shows the advantage of of being at home because they weren't using 
any like any hard counts in this game. So basically, every single time that Treader lifted up his head, T.J. Watt and DeBud Dupree were taking off, and they were timing up the snap very well. And in, especially when you dr- you drag it all the way down to one or two seconds left in a play clock, they they also know that it's going to be snapped then too. So um, as you already have bad offense tackles uh, and tight ends that can't pass protect, so then you're automatically put at a disadvantage because they're not using any type of counting because a, this team's not disciplined. So they, I, I, I don't know if they just didn't practice it or do anything like that, but they definitely needed to do that because they would have been able to draw them off sides and you draw them off sides once or twice. It stops them and slows them down, allows the offense tackles to, you know, help them out or whatever. So, um, but I mean, really like, like, like it was poor game planning all across the board. You know, you look at the, the first two quarters and, uh, versus the you know the second half or whatever um, EPA per play, which is basically your success rate above average. Uh, you know how how more frequently you are expected to score after the play. Um, both positive in the fir- in the first and second quarters. At in the second quarter is actually pretty good. It was at a point two two six success rate at a forty seven point six. And then naturally everything that, like what has been happening all year long. Uh, really poor in the in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, where it was uh, negative EPA per play, uh, minus three point five four and minus point four four nine, which are really really bad numbers. Like that's like all time bad type numbers when you're that bad. So um, nothing was working. And then yeah, like you know, you pass to win the game and everything like that. Like like I don't mind passing it versus running it but they be, they just essentially became too predictable. So they would they would do things like pass they would they would run it on second and longs where it's like the worst time to run it and then they'd be passing it in a, you know they'd put themselves in into third and long type situations. Uh so you and not utilizing the play action pass like they had been um you know like in, which help really helped them out in the, the winning streak and everything like that. So uh, it was just I mean, poor effort all across the board outside that you know, basically the first half, mostly the first quarter, which is where it was good. As, and, you know, from a Baker's perspective where his grade there was was good and he was really efficient. So just yeah, I tell you what, John, give me the let's go with the pass blocking grades for the five starters in that game yesterday. Uh, Wyatt Teller was actually not terrible i know he got beat a couple times and it was bad there but he re- like for the rest of the game on 41 pass uh snaps he wasn't terrible so that was at a 76.7 joel batoni was at 84.9 and jc treader was at a 75.2 but then like the bad justin mccray at a 47.2 chris hubbard at a 58.3 um Obviously, that's none of none of that really that good for the offense tackles, and it almost you saw better it. than it actually was. <laughs> I know. So, like, so part of it too also is like Baker takes these deep drops, right? So he will he will t- if he takes a deep drop, like no offense tackles blocking for that. Um, you can't block at ten yards deep. You're blocking for seven to eight yards deep. So when you're t- you're at ten, they're they're it's not on them. It then turns on to Baker and and his fault. Um, you know, the sack was on him that one of the sacks was on him. Uh, obviously him fumbling, it was on him and really bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it was, it was, I mean, it was just all bad. And then you have like unblocked guys, miscommunications that, that happened too. So, but really like Hubbard and, and McCray were, 
Like I know that the numbers look at a 50, like for me, I don't even know how a 58.3 happens for Hubbard and same with a 47.2 for McCray because they were beat quite often, not just even when they were getting pressures, but when they were not getting pressures too. Um, and you know, when I, I, when I look at their, um, their plus minus grade, which is not available to, uh, the public, it was, it makes it look a lot worse. (laughs) Okay. Now for the sake of what my Twitter timeline has gone through today, John, can I get pass blocking grades for the three tight ends? For the three tight ends, um, well, so Demetrius Harris, seventy-three point eight, Stephen Carlson, sixty-eight point seven, and Ricky Seals Jones, sixty-eight point seven. So, like the the one where basically it was, I think it was the sack. It was a sack on the third, like the third uh, third and ten that took him basically out of field goal range on that where. They, it looked like I think it was Ricky Seals Jones that was looking to chip him. It he wasn't there to like pass, you know, he wasn't there actually and pass it. He was looking to chip to help uh, Justin McCray, who was like incredibly slow to get back into his set. But the thing is, that was also a play where they they ran down the clock and he knew he timed it up and was boom gone. So again, bad on them and yeah. That was similar also to the, the the late the the roughing the passer. You know, Seals Jones got a hand on him, but still Dupree was there and you know, there was no Justin McCray who just was not there. Baker's his own kind of worst enemy here. And you know, you're never gonna Baker's never gonna accept the fact that he's six foot and you know, that he's not ideal quarterback size, and he's gonna try to run for his life and he's gonna try to make every play into something. And that a you kind of appreciate that form. B you also kind of think you know, son, you may not be long if you keep trying to do this because you if you juke the A guy and now you juke the B guy, you're worried about C and D. Guess what's right behind you? It's the A guy and it's the B guy, and all of a sudden it's four dudes on a six foot quarterback who weighs two twenty and change, and that's when things get ugly and that's when balls get loose. Yeah, I mean, Baker needs a. Like the it's in his DNA to basically scramble around and make plays like that. Like he, that's how he's played his whole life. So it's, uh, and it obviously worked for him in high school. It obviously worked for him at Oklahoma. It's something he he was like slowly getting out of his system. But he was he had the benefit of having a great offensive line at Oklahoma um, that he he could trust, and they had a system that he could trust, and receivers to be right where they were supposed to be. Uh, this year, there's nothing he can really trust, right? So. Um, the offensive line is 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 really bad outside of Batonio and Treader. Teller has been okay as a pass protector, but he still gets beat too often. I would say for you know anybody's liking. And then the offensive tackles have just been atrocious. So um, he he's a guy that needs a at, at six foot you know and change needs to play more like Drew Brees um, instead. And he, I think he wants to play like that. But it, when you play a certain way your whole life, it's really difficult to change that, and especially really difficult to change that when you got nothing around you that's working. You know, you got receivers that run the wrong routes. You got offensive linemen that that are really slow out of their stances and can't pass protect for you. Um, and so then you you get to resorting to poor poor technique on your part, poor you know pocket discipline, poor drop back to you know depth. All that stuff plays a part into it. And so, um, 
Yeah, I mean, like when what's good if things break down, you like to if he when he gets outside the pocket, he has the ability to make plays. But that's not what wins games in the NFL. You've got to be able to throw from the pocket from on a consistent basis in rhythm. Um, and he, you know, he's just not doing that enough, especially this year. He definitely did it last year. Uh, but like a lot of his good was also, you know, outside the pocket, which is an unstable thing. And I think we we put too much credence into that continuing. Uh, and it's obviously like you saw it against Miami where outside the pocket, he was making some plays uh, even against, you know, the Steelers in that, that first game that he made some plays outside the pocket when he was under pressure, but under pressure grades are not, they're just not stable because you, so many things outside your own control happen to prevent you from making a good play on that. Whereas a clean pocket, it becomes, it's a much more easy thing to navigate. You can find the open receiver. Well, and it's, it's true. I mean, like Baker even admits these things, you know, they talk about Lamar Jackson, they talk about these other Josh Allen. And he's like, look, you know, I can move around, but I'm not that guy. But in the heat of the moment, you, you kind it's of in your DNA, it, like, you, he, know, it's, you know, it's, you know, like hell. it's it, and, uh, people might, might not, you co- like I mean I'm correlating this now, but like when he and you might just toss you know at the time I tossed it away as not a big deal. It was a misunderstanding or whatever at the time. But like when he ran away from the cops, you had pressure coming at you instead of standing tall and going nope everything's okay. Officers are like what do you need? He ran, and that's kind of in his DNA is to when that pressure comes is to bail out of there and make more space for himself. So can he get that out of his DNA? I don't know. I don't know. He needs a coach that isn't a buddy buddy with him, like a Ryan Lindley or a Freddie Kitchens. He needs a coach to be able to, that's going to hammer it home to him that he's got to play a certain way other and, you know, only get out of there when, when it needs to. Um, and, and right now he's not getting that type of coaching. And, you know, if you know anything and, you know, I know people in Arkansas and if they tell you anything about Arkansas state troopers, they were former All-State football players. Yeah, they can handle tackling a drunk guy running away. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we've gotten everything from yesterday's game, Steeler-wise. We're peaking, our first peak in on the Bengals here as we actually get to week doing the 14. Uh, 14. Week 14. It throws me off that 16 and 17. Pains yeah. in my asses. And next year, soon it may be 17 and 18. God help us, everyone. Uh, treat yourself. To the meal you deserve and your family. Uh, look, John's a family guy. I'm a family guy. You know, matriculate Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's literally the hardest part of having a family between parents' schedules, children's schedules. By the time everybody's settled at home, now you got to worry about dinner. And the kids are doing homework. And you got to help with homework while you're trying to prepare dinner. That's where somebody like DoorDash comes in. Whether it's Google, whether it's uh, Apple, download the app. Get $5 off your first purchase of $15 or more when you use the promo code, all caps, no space, Locked on franchise restaurants, local restaurants. DoorDash is pretty much affiliated with everybody nowadays. Go ahead, check them out. If you're listening in your car, don't do it now. Go to lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Check out everything from all our wonderful sponsors. And we do appreciate everything DoorDash does ever over here for all of us at the Locked On Podcast Network. John, it's Bangle Week. And um, for the first time, we can talk about John Costco's essentially hometown team, <laughs> which is John, where John is currently residing. John, um, what's the good? I mean, it's it's been terrible. And look, they got a win yesterday. 
but Washington won, Miami won. So it's not really screwing up what may be the ultimate goal in Cincinnati. God knows if they even know how to handle this if it does happen. Um, is there anything good going on Bengal-wise? Yeah, they still have Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins. And those are good players. Those are very good players. Um, you know, obviously everything else around them has not been good, but those guys can wreck offensive lines. Um, you saw that in this game where Carlos Dunlap absolutely did that to the Jets. He had three sacks, three hits, and five hurries. Uh, I don't know if you uh, know, but that no, those numbers are like game-wrecking type numbers, and that's exactly what Carlos Dunlap was able to do. Um, you know, but – Chino Atkins has, is not playing at the at the level that he has in previous years, but he's still a guy that he's going to give you fits on the interior offensive line. Um, and then Dunlap will come from obviously the the you know either defensive end spot. So um, those are their bright spots. You know they still have some decent talent. I would say like William Jackson is a solid cornerback. Uh, I like Jesse Bates as a, as a safety. He's a really solid player. So like it's not like they don't have pieces. Um, and then you like, they also have a, a young guy in Josh Tupo who's actually playing pretty decently well on the defensive line too. So, um, you know, I think at any, in any game, they could definitely, like you saw on, you know, this past Sunday, they can win it because they have talent, especially if, you know, with Andy Dalton as a quarterback, cause he's still a, a solid NFL quarterback. So, uh, he's not having a good year or, ha- you know, hadn't up until this past game where, um, before his benching and stuff like that, but. You know, he's not been the problem with the team. Their offensive line is atrocious. So, like, you know, the 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 Browns' defensive line right now with Sands, Olivier Vernon, and Miles Garrett is not good outside of Sheldon Richardson. So, um, yeah, it, it that'll be a week versus week. <laughs> so we'll see which, which week is worse. So, you know. Now, John, if they're going to end up with the number one overall pick. Um, Joe Burrow. You know, it's Joe Burrow, and it's not even a question. Like, talk to him at the Combine. Um, look, here's the development you want to buy a house in. Um, here's the car dealership. Go see them. We'll get you a nice, fat SUV. Uh, if you don't like this Cincinnati chili, which should be served with, like, a penne pasta, not spaghetti, for Christ's sakes, it's a no-doubt, no-brainer. It's Joe Burrow. It, and So, you can't win in the NFL without a franchise quarterback, and, like, you, the only way you win Super Bowls is basically with an elite franchise quarterback. You can do it with, you know, next tier type quarterbacks. If everything around them is perfect, essentially, you look at the Eagles and uh, what they were able to accomplish a couple of years ago because they had essentially a stacked team and they're around, you know, Carson Wentz and also Nick Foles. And like Nick Foles is not an elite quarterback and even Carson Wentz is not there too. So, um, but you know, obviously Tom Brady's been doing that for years. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning had a had a run as well as you know Joe Flacco in in those years that they they won. Uh, but they also had stacked teams around them. So you either have a stacked team around you, which is difficult to do because uh, no team is really actually that good at at drafting. Uh, but you can accumulate more picks to, to try to build that up, or you you have a, a franchise quarterback. And in my opinion. Joe Burrow is absolutely that. This guy is incredible. Like he's his grade is at the level we, we saw Baker Mayfield's grade in college, and he's doing it against much better competition. Um, and he's doing it with inc- like 
like incredible accuracy. So like I know that he has a seventy-eight point I think three completion percentage, but his comp- it, like that sometimes that, like you could oh is it a dink and dunk type offense? No, he's averaging almost ten yards per per target, um, and so he's throwing it downfield. Uh, so it's not just dink and dunk screen type stuff that's getting him this high completion percentage. He's also throwing it pinpoint accurate too. Like so we do the this accuracy charting stuff, which is um, you know. Was it was it on frame? Was it perfect accuracy, or was it a little bit off? Like, did you throw it back hip on a on a crossing route, but it was still caught? So, like, you know, obviously that's just a catch or not. Whereas the completion or the, the accuracy stuff that would show as an inaccurate catchable type pass, Joe Burrow is doing this at a seventy six percent rate, which is slaughters anything we've ever seen at the college level, and it's also it's up there with like Tom Brady and Drew Brees best seasons ever. So that's where his accuracy is at. And it's, and he actually kind of plays the game like Tom Brady, which is kind of interesting, but um, in my mind, you, you take him and because you, you can't win without a franchise quarterback. I don't know if Mike Brown actually pulls that trigger. He might look at him and go, Oh, he's going to be a, he's a one year runner. You know, you, I want to see three years of starting experience, blah, blah, blah. You know, Mike Brown is that type of guy. And so he might not take him, but, I think you have to like, like he's, he's that good. My only question with it is, is, is there enough there where you're not setting the kid up to fail, you know? And that's where it's, you know, I, and I view it sort of like the Browns move. All right. Chase Young, Miles Garrett. Let's cause I think you get more immediate dividends by drafting Chase Young, because now maybe your defense can at least keep games close but in the same respect, if Burrow is all that and you think he's all that, you expect it to find a way to work. But I think from day one, Chase Young would make your defense a hell of a lot better than Joe Burrow would from day one. No? Uh, so, like, right. I, th- I think Chase Young might move the needle slightly, right? But, like, okay. but like and, and I think Chase Young will, like, Based on what he's looked like, I mean, he's the highest graded defensive player we've ever graded in college. Like he slaughters what Miles Garrett did, what the both the Bosas did. He just d- annihilates that in terms of grade. Like he he's wins scary, at an absurd rate. Dude. And like, like if there's a, ever a sure thing coming out of college at the defensive end position, he's that. But like he might add, like so, like Aaron Donald, right? He's he's a he's a an absolute wrecking ball in the interior of the defensive line. And he's the highest graded guy that we've ever had on, the, on defense, multiple years of that. And he adds maybe two wins, two wins. Like we have a win, wins above replacement metric and he adds maybe two wins. Whereas like the top end quarterbacks are adding six, seven wins. And so that's the difference between that. You, you, you can manufacture pass rushing. Um, as you can see, you've seen that with, with the Patriots and multiple teams that know how to manufacture pass rushing. You need good players to be able to do it still, but you didn't say Browns, you, you cannot, you cannot skate by with an, with an average or below average quarterback. Um, and I think with like, yeah, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals have a ton of holes, especially on an offensive line. Like, I mean, ideally, in my opinion, you want to have a rookie sit and, and bring him into this, the, the ideal situation. But, like, 
a, a, an elite quarterback elevates the talent no matter who's around him. Um, you know, Tom Brady's no longer an elite, elite level quarterback. If he would have been, if this would have been five years ago, I think you would see, still see an elite type offense out of the Patriots, but he's not that anymore. And I think you, you have to take that swing at the quarterback position. Um, and then you have to do, obviously you have to do things to build bolster that offensive line. Cause that offensive line's atrocious. And that's the thing, like their defense is pretty solid. Like it's like defense is, you know, I think they're fine there and you just keep adding pieces there, but like, you've got to build up that offensive line to protect the quarterback, whoever it's going to be, because it's so bad. Like running backs can't have, don't have any rushing lanes to go through. And then they're just a sieve on, on in pass protection. Well, I mean, you know, and there is that way to look at it, but, you know, if you can work out the offensive line and you have Boyd, you have Ross still around, uh, you have, you know, Mixon, there's enough there skill-wise to at least see where you're right. at, what you need. And, you know, maybe you convince AJ Green to stick around, right? Like he's, he's obviously still a really good player, but maybe you trade him. I don't know what it is. So AJ they, Green they needs more go. pieces, a, but he, AJ Green just needs to be released from that. He is from PFF, John Costco at John Costco three. Make sure you're following over there. The Lockdown Browns podcast, all lowercase, follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open over there. Anything you guys want in the show, hit up either of the accounts. This has been your daily delivery of all things to all count. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.